everybody and welcome back to the brews and belters podcast where we talk all things soccer while sipping on some some of our favorite local brews um i am keegan gowitz this is episode 24 tonight i am sipping on a beer i'm already uh, my favorite italian beer not a local beer at all uh but a really good lager that i would recommend to anybody one of my favorite beers uh in the world um with me as always is toby hinefeld toby what you sipping on tonight Another local lager, uh, Paps Blue Ribbon, PBR. Made in Milwaukee, originally from central Illinois. So, 12 fluid ounces of deliciousness. I love it. A local one for both of us. Um, Yeah, so let's get into it. Uh, Tonight, we're going to walk through the Euro Cup results so far. We're going to talk a little bit about Copa America. And then we're going to run through um, a few MLS teams with uh, some some really good talent uh, to look out for if, if you're to uh, start watching the MLS or to travel around and, and catch any MLS games this summer. So uh, we'll wrap it up with our booze and our belters, but I think we both want to start out with a cheer. Um, cheers to Christian Eriksen, uh, who is recovering and in stable condition after... Uh, going into cardiac arrest in the Denmark-Finland match this past weekend. Really scary moment for anyone who was watching or or just hearing about it. Um, Collapsed on the pitch, uh, lied there motionless for a while. I think he was on the pitch for about 14 or 15 minutes before he was stretchered off. Um, Nobody really knew what kind of state he was in. Um, Match was postponed, ended up picking up about an hour later, but... Um, big cheer to him on on recovering, and a big cheers to the medical staff as well for getting out there quickly, um, and and taking care of the situation the way that they did. Um, any comments there? Uh, honestly, no, not really. Um, he's always been kind of one of my favorite players, uh, being linked to Tottenham, uh, playing as like the focal point of that offense for you know the last six years. Um, so it was kind of, yeah, it was crazy. It was a Saturday um, primetime game on ABC, if I remember right, or either ESPN or ABC. And, like, right before it happened, I was literally talking to a family member, and I was like, yeah, that's Erickson. He's, like, used to be one of my favorite players. He now plays in Italy. Still a really good player. And, like, not even a minute later, he was on the ground. And uh, heads up to his teammates uh, for, you know, th- whenever you have that sort of issue, like, timing's definitely important. And so for his teammates to act as quickly as they did and for the referee to act as quickly as he did, um, I mean, that honestly saved his life considering uh, there's multiple medical people from the club that was saying that he was gone on the pitch, um, which I've never seen anything like that before. I guess it's happened before, heart attacks in soccer. Um but yeah, it was just a crazy time and uh, really kind of dampered the whole mood on the very first, uh, technically first full day of uh, games. It was kind of a, you know, just kind of put everything into perspective. Uh, definitely shook the team uh, and all the other teams as well. Um, that was actually something else I wanted to bring up was just like Romelu Lukaku uh, celebrating with it. And then there's a couple other teams as well that were uh, uh, definitely showing some respect because I think it uh, he's such a focal point of not only Tottenham at the time, but also Inter Milan, and then uh, Ajax as well, coming up through the through the system as well. So he's been around for quite a while and uh, has a lot of uh, friends in the footballing community, so definitely scary. 
Yeah, for sure. And it was cool to see later on um, on Sunday uh, how much how much love he got, especially at the Netherlands Ukraine game. Since, um, like you said, he did come up through the through the ranks at Ajax there. Um, but moving forward, just quickly going through uh, each of the matches, um, we'll just breeze through them really quick and stop and maybe discuss some some things from one or two. But um, Italy took care of Turkey pretty pretty handily. 3-0. This match kind of surprised me. I, I have big expectations for Italy in, in the Euros, but uh, I really expected more from Turkey. They've got some talent, and I just thought they would play Italy a little bit closer than that. But convincing win for the Italians um, and a good way to start it off on Friday. Uh, and then Saturday's matches, we had Wales 1, Switzerland 1. Um, no huge takeaways from this match. Uh, pretty level, pretty level teams, and kind of expected a draw. Um, and Mark Finland, obviously, we discussed slightly. Uh, Finland comes away with the one-all win. It was not your boy Tuki who scored, uh, shockingly. So yes. off to a slow start for that Golden Boot <laughs> campaign. Uh, and then after that, Belgium three-zero over Russia. Uh, Russia looked pretty solid to start this off, and I expect Russia to be competitive. Um, I expect them to maybe get out of that group. Uh, I, th I think they probably should get out of that group at, behind Belgium. Um, but ultimately, Belgium were too good. Lukaku with two goals. I absolutely expect him to win the Golden Boot. Obviously, he's got a ton of competition, but um, he's off to a good start. And to me, he's, besides Lewandowski, um, he might be the best striker in the world for me right now, um, even, even maybe over Benzema. Uh, England won, zero Croatia. Uh, this match, good result for England uh, the, to shut out Croatia and to get the win. But I kind of expected more, even against Croatia. Croatia's getting a little bit older. Perisic is getting older. Modric is starting to age. Um, Kovacic is still, you know, in his prime. Rebic is is still got a lot of a lot of uh, energy left in him. But I don't know. Just defensively, Croatia isn't super convincing, and I, I just expected more from England from a goal-scoring perspective. What do you think of that one, Tubbs? Um, that was one of my three games I really highlighted. Uh, I am in the same boat as you. I expect more. I don't know if that's just because I hold England to such high standards. Um, but what shocked me the most and uh, was the main takeaway I had for his movement on and off uh, the ball. Uh, Calvin Phillips was amazing in that game. Um, I did not expect it. I was surprised he even, honestly, he even made the roster. Um, I thought there was other attacking central midfielders that would be better suited for that. They can even stick Mason Mount in there um, if they wanted and to play over the top of Declan Rice or a, like a Jack Graylish and have someone move to the wing at that point. Um, but he was in control the entire game. The 25-year-old from Leeds uh, definitely stepped up, and uh, it was his first major tournament with England. Um, as for a lot of the players that were on the pitch that day for England, and uh, he 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 brought them together because there was they were lacking a spark. Uh, you know, everyone's always uh, ragging on uh, Raheem Sterling, and then Harry Kane just kind of had an off game as well. So to get someone with an offensive with an offensive performance the way that he did, uh, controlling the ball and moving it. And then he was also uh, one of the first people to press whenever they were trying to pin the uh, pin the Croatians back. Um, 
something else that kind of impressed me about this whole performance by Calvin Phillips was just the simple fact that, like, that's not the position he plays at Leeds. He plays more of the holding defender uh, in the midfield for them. Um, so it was definitely pretty impressive uh, to see just what kind of player he is. Yeah, definitely out there playing Bielsa murder ball, uh, which brought a ton of energy to England. And, yeah, I, I don't think anybody expected him to be in the lineup. We were talking before the match, no Grealish. We were kind of... And, uh, disappointed with that um but yeah i mean phillips didn't let anybody down he played amazing um and i thought they looked strong defensively uh again i just kind of wanted to see a little bit more with all the star power they've got going forward i was kind of hoping for another goal we nearly got one from foden pretty early on uh off the post but besides that they just didn't really create outrageous amount of chances you know i thought sterling played really well up and down the pitch not just offensively he was tracking back and and you know putting in work defensively um like you mentioned kane was kind of not his usual self uh, moving a little slow not really he, he just kind of looked tired but wins a win especially against you know the best team in your group so i'm sure they'll take it um austria three North Macedonia won. Austria was and and Scotland are kind of my darlings in this tournament, and Austria really showed up. Scotland really did not. Uh, Austria looked really good. Um, I thought Marcel Savitzer looked amazing. Great ball in to Liner for the first goal. Um, he was creating chances. He's just so calm and so classy on the ball. In, in the midfield that uh, he just brings a ton of control to them. And then defensively, they've got Alaba and Liner. So they've got, you know, strong kind of like duo in the back, uh, kind of holding down that, that back line. And someone like Sabitzer in the middle. Um, and then, you know, Arnautovic up front who came in and scored the third goal for them. Uh, I, I just think that they've got... They don't have a ton of talent, but the talent that they do have is balanced throughout their team, enough where they can make things complicated for people. Granted, they were playing against North Macedonia, who's, you know, probably the weakest link in the tournament, but still, it was a convincing one for me. Um, did you did you catch that one, Tobes? And did you have any thoughts on that? Or uh, I did. I did catch it. Um, it was a. It was a pretty. Uh handed victory to uh, Austria but with that North Macedonia hung around for a while there and they even had that like darling moment where they're like goat of a player he I forget how old he is he's in his mid mid to late 30s uh got a breakaway and and freaking scored and then and then decided to slide on his knees and do a shoulder shimmy and (laughs) and that alone took that alone took the weekend tournament for me like that was the moment of the weekend that was big. Um, and then to wrap up Sunday, Netherlands three uh, to Ukraine's two. Ukraine played them tight. Um, Netherlands played pretty well, though. They created a ton of chances. For me, Memphis Depay uh, has matured a ton from the player that we saw when he made the transfer to United. Things didn't work out. He leaves. Um, I just feel like he's really grown up at Lyon. He's always had the talent uh, and natural ability. And now, finally, like, mentally, he has matured uh, into a leader. His movement's really good. He receives the ball and, and is immediately trying to pick out a teammate. He's just smart on the ball. He's smart off the ball. Um, and he's kind of developed into a leader. 
uh, Jeannie Winyaldum, Workhorse, De Jong, just composed in the middle. Uh, Vanghorst from from uh, Wolfsburg is all over the place up top. I mean that I think that partnership with with Depay dropping back is like a false nine, and Vanghorst up there six five, able to you know be physical but also quick and can also shoot really well with his feet. I think that brings them a ton of balance to have two guys like that up top. And then you've got a midfield with Jeannie Winialdum and, and De Jong and De Roon. Uh I just think they're really solid. It's a bummer that De Ligt and Van Dijk are out because if they had those two anchoring their defense, I really think they could compete with you know, your France, Portugal, Belgium. I, I mean, I think they're on that level when they have Van Dijk and De Ligt and, and, and are fully healthy. No, I totally agree. Uh, I also was like, Oh, same old Netherlands. Like they had a they had a lead, then they choked it away. Ukraine came back. That's actually my belter of the week was uh, Yarmolenko from Ukraine with his first goal. That thing was a heater, uh, and <clears throat> so for them to come back and then get the win was I think really big to their confidence as well. Um, because I always kind of think of the Netherlands as a soft team that uh, is easily crumble easily able to crumble and that's mostly because one of their leaders is memphis Depay, and he's kind of always had that about him so for them to change that narrative uh with with uh genie wynaldum and everyone was uh definitely cool yeah for sure and again i i, I think the pie has has changed that you know we we've we've discussed psg and kind of that crumble mentality or that 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 fragile mentality or that um you know, like that superstar uh, you know, image and, and kind of style over substance. And it to me, Depay has really grown into a, a player with substance. And I think with that, you know, Netherlands have as, as well. I think that brings a ton to them mentally. Um, but anyway, moving forward, uh, Czech Republic versus Scotland, uh, 2-0 to Czech Republic. This one was a shocker to me. Um, I had really high expectations for Scotland. To be fair, Czech Republic played really well. Patrick Schick showed up, baby. Uh, that was my belter. I'll just go ahead and say I had to give it for that. I, I figured you would go either with this or with Yarmolenko, and so I had uh, Schick's midfield bomb um, and Yarmolenko's written down, but since you've chosen Yarmolenko, I would go with Schick's uh, midfield bomb, and uh, he scored the other one for him as well. So, huge 2 0 win for them. Uh, rough start for the Scots, but so, you know how the Scots are. They'll bounce back, little chip on their shoulder. There was never a point watching that game that I felt like Scotland was out of it. They had tons of opportunities. Both goalies were on their heads for portions of that game. Um, I mean, Scotland just has a fun, young team. Like, they have Andy Robertson, uh, McGinn, McTominay, Shea Adams. Uh, Kieran Tierney was hurt, uh, the Arsenal wingback. Um, and then they mm-hmm. did not play Billy Gilmore in the game, uh, the, like, up-and-coming star of Chelsea. Um, so they had a lot of talent. And Czech Republic had a few good players, but, I mean, they weren't, like, no, they were just like Scotland. Nothing really jumps off the page at you. Um, so for Patrick Schick to come out there for uh, – Byron Levenkusen, uh, the forward, and come out there and just put out, put two on them. Uh, I wasn't expecting it. And, I mean, they were always within, like, reach. I felt like Scotland was on the front foot most of the time. And then for them to get that second goal where it was just a 50-yard bomb, I mean, it was literally half. I'm, 
I haven't seen that in that competitive of a game in in a long time. I think Harry Kane did it maybe three years ago. And, you know, it's like one of those things you just, I'll remember that goal. That will be the goal that probably sticks out to me in the entire tournament. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, the Czech Republic decides Jake and Suchek of West Ham. They really don't have any players that, that stand out as like bona fide names that you would know throughout Europe. Um, so yeah, huge win for them. Great way to start out the tournament. And, and they're in the um, same pool with Croatia and England. So, I mean, hypothetically, one of these teams I picked to go with England in the next round, I did not expect Croatia to advance. I was, I honestly thought it would be Scotland, uh, based on like their kind of darlingness. Um, but with Czech Republic breaking that up, I don't know anymore. So. Yeah. Yeah. It remains to be seen. Um, Slovakia two, Poland one. Don't have much to say about this. Um, Lewandowski had a couple chances, nothing super cut and dry. Um, they got a they got a red card. Poland got a red card in about the 60th minute. It was an uphill climb from there. Um, Spain zero and Sweden zero. This one was a bit of a surprise to me. Um, just not a ton of chance creation from Spain. Uh, and I, I mean, um, I, I really didn't have a ton to comment on. So. So this, I thought, was an amazing game. Uh, Spain, in the first half especially, was absolutely clinical against Sweden. Uh, to round up the entire game, Sweden had less than 15% possession. And they mm -hmm. walked away 0-0, which, I mean, that is a huge win for the Swedes. Uh, Spain missed their opportunities. They really had no legit goal scorer in the final third. Um which, I mean, that's kind of what I've been noticing. Uh, the teams that pop out to me each have a bona fide striker. So Belgium had Lukaku, Czech Republic had Schick, and Italy had Immobile. And all three of those guys stepped up and got it done when they needed to, whereas Spain had no one to do that. Um, that was one thing. Also, there was a few moments Sweden actually had two gimmies on the doorstep, and they team of Werner'd them. Um, and yeah. it was so disappointing. Um, and for for Spain specifically on the defensive end, I truly think they were lacking some leadership with like a Sergio Ramos. I don't know why he's not on the roster. He's not. Um, it's time for yeah. them to move on. But uh, I thought they could have used him, especially later in that game when they needed that uh, that like extra spark. Uh, Sweden pretty much has a bunch of randoms. I I rarely recognized any of them. They had Victor Lindelof uh, from Manchester United, who was just a wrecker in the back. Because, I mean, Spain was on the front foot, foot and they were just bombarding them and shellacking them uh, the entire time. Uh, so he stood on his head, uh, Victor Lindelof. And then the guy who jumped out at me to mo the most was uh, Alexander uh, Isak. Uh, he's 21-year-old from uh, Real Sociedad. And he's being linked right mm -hmm. now to, like, Arsenal and Borussia Dortmund as, like, a possible replacement for Erling Haaland. And he, he was a stud. Like, he's a tall, big guy. And he had, like, really good above average foot skills for someone his size playing forward so like when sweden i mean they were literally stacked five to seven deep on the line and they were just clearing up to him and he was only in for the first 60 minutes but they were literally just clearing the ball up to him the entire time and he was able to you know bring it down and really uh, hold off one to two of the spanish defenders and then give time for like either a breakout or enough time to at least set reset the line for the defense and was really an outlet for them, and uh, he definitely popped up this the screen to me that I think he'll be he'll be moving on. I think this tournament is gonna 
is going to uh, springboard his career. Yeah, he's a player that uh, a lot of people have discussed. Like you said, he's linked to a lot of big clubs. Almost reminds me his build, like a, a slightly more slender uh, Daryl DK um, and his his foot skill and you know his ability to hold up play. And like I, I mentioned with DK a lot, he's got that true number nine ability where he can beat people off. Like he, he can do everything that a striker is supposed to do. He can finish. He can beat people off the dribble. He can hold up play and pass. Um yeah, I think that's a really good shout-out. Also, I think just the, the lack of a striker from Spain. Murata missed a very clear chance. They had 86% possession and only five shots. Um, I mean, you, you, you Spain is going to be Spain, and they're going to possess, and they're going to pass around. Uh, you know, they're going to pass circles around you, but at the end of the day, it comes down to what they can do with it. The days of, of having Torres and David Villa to choose from, and Iniesta, who can get in there and grab a goal as well. Um, those have gone. You know, I, I don't know if they have somebody who can they can really rely on to get a goal. Uh, and I think the only people they can really rely on are those younger guys like Pedri or Fati. And I don't know if they'll really get the chance to shine. If they do, it'll probably be the third or fourth match in the group stage. And who knows if, you know, that might be too late. So... I don't know. I'm just not fully convinced on on Spain, but as you said, Sweden did play. You know, despite only having like 14 percent of possession, they played their game. They created a couple chances. They frustrated them. So, um, yeah, it was just an interesting match. It was it was a weird one. Um, and then today, Portugal 3-0 over Hungary. Uh, it took them a while. They didn't score until I think the 84th was their first one. Um, kind of a weird deflected goal. And then a PK uh, converted by Ronaldo. Still not really sure if I considered that a foul or not. Um, and then the third goal was absolutely beautiful. Uh, a little bit of one-two play from like four of the Portuguese players: um, Bernardo, Renato Sanchez, Bruno, and Ronaldo. Just tiki taka on the right side by the touchline, and then Renato Sanchez plays a slicing ball in right to the top of the box, kind of on the right side of the box, to Ronaldo, 1-2, 1-2 with Bruno, and then just sidesteps the key, keeper and tucks it in. It was, for me, as far as teamwork goes, the best goal of the tournament so far. Um, maybe not as exciting as Yarmolenko's or Shakes, but it's the best overall, you know, team goal uh, so far of the, of the tournament. Yeah, I... I agree with that. Um, I also think, looking back at the transfer window from last year in the Premier League, I think five years from now, Diego Jota going to Liverpool will be probably the biggest move, in my opinion. Um, I think he's also on par to have a huge tournament. And I think as long as he plays really well, I think that does affect uh, Cristiano Ronaldo in a positive way, and it affects everyone else up front. Um, So I think if he can just have a killer tournament it's going to just keep going and I think it's going to springboard his Liverpool career because he already looked good and then he was injured for a big portion of the season Um, I think if you can get him back into form like he was right before the injury uh, he's going to have a great uh, season coming up and I think it's just all going to start with this tournament here yeah absolutely and I mean the fact that he's starting the fact that he's getting the nod in somebody like Joao Felix isn't I think shows how much his start at Liverpool already you know 
kind of gave him that boost and has put him on the radar. But yeah, I mean, I think a great a tournament here in Europe really catapults him to that next level. Um, another guy I mentioned him already is Renato Sanchez, who's kind of been up and down, uh, was a star boy at a young age, went to Bayern, things didn't really work out. Um, and now, you know, he's coming off of a league one championship with Lille. He was kind of one of their star guys. Super, super talented. Still only, I think, 24, maybe just turned 25. Uh, and he didn't get the nod to start today. And then he came on late, like 75th minute or something like that. All three goals came after he came on. Um, not a super pivotal, super, super pivotal, like highly involved in the third goal, but did make that first pass to kind of slice through the defense and get it started. Just super smooth. I'd be shocked if Carvalho starting over him or Danilo starting over him next match. Uh, I feel like he's way too good to not be starting for them. And again, I think this is a an opportunity for him to really show what he can do. Um, I think Lille winning league win last year should have been enough of a statement. But you know how people look down on uh, on league win a little bit. So maybe he can prove it at the international level and and get a few more uh, major clubs kind of uh his radar and uh and move forward from there yeah and hungry super talented hungry didn't play that bad honestly like they looked pretty uh, good and their goalie uh uh peter galeski from uh rb leipzig uh really stood on his head in this game as well um this whole group is just going to be so fun to watch being the group of death because after watching today's game i seriously think portugal could be a front runner, but I also think France and Germany are as well. Like they're three of the five best teams in the tournament, in my opinion, and and three of them are in the same. So one of them's not even getting out to the next round. It's just crazy to think that. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was faced with a hard decision last week. Shout out Red Lion Pub here in Milwaukee. I watched the matches on Saturday there. Uh, they've got a cool little special going. If you buy a, a beer from Three Sheeps Brewing, you can put a ticket into whatever team you think is going to win it into a jar for them if you win they'll pull out a ticket and you get a, a free jersey of that from that club and a uh brewery pass for three sheeps brewery so quick little plug there shout out red lion uh, support local brew but i chose portugal and it was a really tough decision because i was thinking portugal france or belgium and uh ended up going with portugal so and then the final match of the day um, France won zero Germany. Good match. Um, chances for both sides. Excuse me. Chances for both sides. Um, France had actually scored three goals. Had two of them called back. Uh, I thought Mbappe looked good. I thought Benzema looked good in his first international appearance for a while. Pogba was great. Conte to Conte. Um, I think the difference is. I think Germany's midfield can hang. I think they have the quality in, in the middle of the pitch to hang. I just don't know if they, you know, they don't really have that pure striker uh, similar to, to Spain. I don't know if their defense is good enough. Um, almost is aging. Rudiger is on and off, kind of inconsistent. I don't know. I'm just kind of interested to see how their defense holds up. Uh, I mean, they did they did well today, only only giving up one goal to France. But I don't know. I, I feel like their midfield's good enough to be elite, and I just feel like offensively and defensively they're not quite at the level of a, a France or a Portugal or a Belgium. Yeah, and 
those two goals that were called back, Benzema's, uh, the announcer on ESPN called it uh, from exile to ecstasy, which was awesome in my opinion. But uh, Benzema looked looked decent. He 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 played a lot more box to box and tracked back more than I expected him to. Um, and that's kind of France's DNA. Like they're very uh, they're very defensively aggressive, and uh, they like just want to stranglehold you the whole time, and uh, then just have like Conti nonstop disruptor, and then just allow Paul Pogba to kind of run free, which he did, and he was just dropping dime after dime, and it reminded you why everyone loves Paul Pogba, because he when he has when he's on, he's probably the one of the if not the best player in the world when it comes to vision and making the pass mm-hmm. that most people cannot make outside of his boot. That was the the one. So this was technically an own goal uh, by Hummels. Um, but this thing was, you know, quite a bit outside the 18 and he just, he took it on the outside of his boot. I think it was on his left foot as well. Um, and pretty much did did a dime right to Mbappe, which he then centered it and Hummels, uh, tried to clear the line, but went right into his own goal. Um, which was also kind of weird because that's, I think the third or fourth own goal in the first round of games, which that seems like a mighty high number in my opinion. Um, but so that was, that was one thing. Uh, the other thing that I really liked about France is that like they just completely played the Mbappe strength which is just like I'm the quickest dude on the pitch um his goal that was disallowed was a beautiful goal by the way he bent it around the goalie perfectly and kissed it off the inside post um on the far side uh but I think moving forward, I think Germany's actually still okay even losing this game um, because I don't think Portugal will have someone like an Mbappe that can just break down the lines um, as quickly as uh, France was able to. And I think Germany moving forward can maybe even uh, switch to a three or four in the back and not really have to worry about like someone just sprinting past them and burning them because there was one play in particular where uh, Hummel ended up having a really good uh, track back tackle from behind um on Mbappe and it was it, it wasn't really nice tackle but before that happened he had like six paces on Mbappe and Mbappe blew by him and took the ball and then that was it was a last ditch effort it was it would have been a PK or it would have been a beautiful tackle and it just so happened it was a beautiful tackle yeah yeah um yeah good match overall um so I'm, I'm really looking forward to the rest of that group like you had mentioned um, quickly, we'll, uh, we'll just, tomorrow, um, we've got some more matches, so Wednesday's matches are Finland versus Russia at 8 a.m. Um, Central Time, Turkey versus Wales 11 a.m., and then Italy, Switzerland 2 p.m. Um, so that kind of wraps up the Euro discussion. Uh, we do have a little bit of Copa America news. I haven't gotten to watch a ton of this, so I'll just run through the scores. Um, did get to watch Brazil versus Venezuela. 3-0 to Brazil. A goal and an assist for Neymar. I uh, thought that he looked really good. Similar to Depay. Um, you know, we've talked about PSG and how they're kind of a blitz and glam sort of club, and I feel like Neymar kind of falls into that. But he looked mature. He looked like he was out there to, you know, to win and not to mess around, not to take the competition too lightly. Um, they ended up winning 3-0, so uh, good match for Brazil. Colombia won 1-0 over Ecuador, uh, goal by Boca Juniors midfielder Edwin Cardona. And then Tuesday, Argentina drew 1-1 with Chile. Messi scored in the 33rd, and Eduardo Vargas scored in the 57th. 
And then Paraguay ended up winning um, 3-1. Two goals by Angel Romero, one goal by Alejandro Romero. Uh, they are not related as far as I can find. So... <laughs> As the standings are right now, Brazil and Colombia have three points in Group A. Peru, Ecuador, and Venezuela have zero. And then in Group B, Paraguay has three points. Argentina and Chile have one. And then Uruguay and Bolivia both have zero. So that will continue uh, tomorrow as well with Colombia and Venezuela playing and Brazil and Peru. And then Friday, Chile and Bolivia will play for Argentina and uh, Uruguay face-off. Man, Brazil is so ungodly stacked. I was looking at their roster, and they just, they literally have everyone. Like, between today's game, France or France and Germany, and then if you could stick Brazil, like, in that arena, like, I bet you could honestly say the best player in each position was is on one of those three teams. Like, there might be a few other stragglers along the way. Like, someone from England might have something to say about that. But, I mean, damn, Brazil is just so good. And it was... They're number three in the world right now, and uh, the only thing really missing, Neymar hasn't really done that much for Brazil. You know, like, they, it's, they're kind of like Argentina. Like, they just haven't done anything at a world level. So even getting the Copa America, I think, would be really, really big for both of them. Uh, Messi had an awesome set piece, uh, just doing messy things, and it is, yeah, it is what it is. I think it's going to come down to both of those teams. I don't even know what the schedule looks like to see who, who would play who if they get out of these knockout stages, but... Those are definitely, in my opinion, the two best players. I do like Colombia a lot, too. I, for some reason, like Cuadrado so much. And so watching that team as well is just was fun to watch. Yeah, Cuadrado coming off a great year with Juve, switching to a right-back, right-wing-back kind of role. Um, and I thought he did it really well. Super talented player, super hard-working player. Um, so, yeah, they'll be fun to watch. And then, yeah, Argentina's stacked with talent as well. Um, you know, Messi, obviously, Latouro, Martinez from Italian, um, Aguero, Di Maria, Joaquin Correa from Atletico, like, all coming off the bench. Um, I mean, they've just got a ton of time. Like, like um, what's-his-face from Juve is not even on here. Paulo Dybala is not even on their squad for one reason or another. I mean, he gets hurt all the time, so maybe he's out and I'm just not aware of it, but he was healthy at the end of the season. He's not even on their squad. So I don't know. Uh, they are weird teams like where, where they've got two of the greatest players in a generation, but they just haven't really figured it out at the international level. So it will be interesting, I think, especially if these two are kind of pitted against each other in the final. Um, I think that'll be really fun to watch. Uh, something else before you switch over to the MLS pick three. Uh, the Copa America is also being really ridiculed right now because uh, as of today, they've had over 52 positive COVID tests. Um, and I think 30, like 30 to 35 of those are players and staff members um, from, you know, handpicked from all the different teams. And then the other ones were uh, players or uh, people that were in direct contact with the players, um, at, whether it be like a hotel room or uh, like somewhere along tran uh, like the transition from uh, like bus to taxi or whatever. Um, so there's been like I want to say 52 reported. So it's it's kind of crazy what's going on right uh, down there right now with COVID and that they're still allowing the players. A lot of players are uh, speaking up about it too that they don't feel comfortable being down there. Uh, Lionel Messi was one of them. Uh, saying that he hopes he doesn't get COVID because uh, it's 
it's spiked way worse in South America than even in Europe right now where they're having, like today in Turkey, they had like a full stadium. I want to say there was over like 40,000 fans there. So, so it's just nuts to think different parts of the world, what they're, what they're going through to get these games in. Yeah, it is interesting to see. Um, Okay, cool. So we will go into now our MLS teams. We just chose three each with uh, some players that are worth highlighting. So, Toby, I'll let you go first since I actually forgot about this segment until <laughs> uh, shortly before the pot. So. Yes, so going along uh, our weekly what MLS team should you root for, uh, pick your team. This week the three MLS teams are based on talent, um, and you can describe that however you want. Uh, so the three teams I went with, uh, first one was, uh, Orlando FC, or actually they go by Orlando SC. Uh, and that's mostly cause my boy Daryl DK as of like two days, uh, is back on their roster. Uh, his loan time is done and I thought he would make a permanent deal, but evidently the money wasn't right. Um, which that's pretty cool that the, there's now enough, uh, leeway in the MLS that they're allowed to turn down those big contracts. Um, so that's pretty cool. Uh, but besides Daryl DK, there's also uh, Chris Mueller, who uh, is a winger that's been coming on for them. Uh, so they have a pretty nice up front. Uh, but yeah, mainly it's just my crush uh, with the future USMNT national team uh, starting number nine, Daryl DK. Uh, also, I have New York Red Bulls. Uh, they've kind of come on uh, in the last like two or three years as having like one of the better farm systems uh, to grow with. Um, and so the two people that I like especially would be uh, Caden Clark. Uh, he's their 18-year-old attacking midfielder. And then uh, Aaron Long, who's uh, injured right now. Uh, but he has been like a pretty good defender for them, also on the United States Midget National Team. Um, but yeah, Caden Clark uh, is being linked to RB Leipzig for the start of next season. Uh, and so I expect him to only stay there one more year. Um, but yeah, he's he's by far the top talent in MLS right now uh, from a youth perspective. And then uh, thirdly, I have uh, LAFC. Uh, that goes without being said because uh, Carlos Vela, uh, who is a Mexican star, uh, pretty much does everything for LAFC. And then he also plays uh, his international uh, for he starts for Mexico as well. And then uh, Diego Rossi, the Uruguayan uh, forward, he's uh, 23 years old. Um, I think this will be the last that we see of him. Um, I think he's going to be linked uh, somewhere in Europe uh, after this year for LAFC. And then they also have uh, some good midfield as well with Eduardo Atuista. Uh, I think I might have botched that last name. But uh, they pretty much have everything from the attacking standpoint uh, to make them a fun game that you'd want to go to uh, in L.A. Yeah, they were my third team, um, so I'll just piggyback off that. Uh, Carlos Vela, everybody else that you mentioned with that twist. Uh, um, also, uh, Diego Rossi, and then Christian Pavon, who's another midfielder that they've got. Um, just a solid team, and L.A. is kind of a, you know, the West Coast is sort of like the hub, I feel like, for the MLS. Um, Portland, Seattle, both teams from L.A. Are, are, you know, tend to have pretty good soccer culture out there. Um, really passionate fans and, and good environment. So, um, and then I had also had NYC, uh, CFC. Um, they tend to get a lot of talent, big market, obviously. In the past, you saw, you know, Lampard go there, um, Pierlu, David Villa. Um, currently, there's Eber, uh, who's a 20, 
28-year-old, I think, Brazilian forward, um, 11 goals in 12 matches in 2020, 18 goals in 22 matches in 2019. Uh, they've got a 26-year-old Romanian, Alexandru Mitrita, um, and then uh, a Swedish midfielder, Anton Tinnerholm, a little bit older of a guy, but um, one of the better midfielders, more talented midfielders in the MLS. Um, again, kind of a guy that will probably be on his way out at 30 years old now. Um, so it's time to make way for the newer talent. But with them being a big market team, you assume that they'll get some talent coming in. Um, and then my top team was also Orlando City. Um, like you mentioned, Daryl DK coming back. Uh, Joao Moutinho, uh, Andres Perea. And then um, also the top two for me, Luis Nani, who obviously is aging, uh, but his feet will never age. His 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 <laughs> dribbling skills are unbelievable. His passing's unbelievable. He's always doing some cheeky shit. He had a cheeky little flick into the goal uh, like a month and a half ago that was all over every you know, sports page that you see on Instagram and Twitter. Um, and then also the signing this season of Alexandre Pato, Brazilian idol and legend. Um, went to AC Milan and took Serie A by storm. Uh, and and ended up um, sleeping around with co-owner and owner's daughter, uh, embraced her in all those party boy lifestyle completely, and gave Kaka uh, the stiff arm, Kaka the good boy. Um, so, yeah, definitely an idol, uh, footballing legend. There's a little post about him on our Instagram page when he first signed with Orlando. So um, he is injured currently. But he's hopeful to be healthy by the end of the summer. So hopefully we'll see a little bit of Pato. He got injured in his first match. So uh, that is my number one team. Just seeing him and Nani in the flesh would be awesome. Would really throw me back to those early 2000 days. So uh, that is my top three. Nice. And what you got, I gave my cheer to Erickson and the medical staff. Um got anything and we went through our belters i guess you got any cheers or booze you want to throw out there no well so that's my cheer as well just like all the current former players that have been uh you know pretty much doing post goal celebrations all for him uh so that was pretty cool um yeah my belter is definitely that uh yarmolenko uh west ham i know i am i sure i am i'm west ham till i die uh west ham striker he was crushing it for ukraine and then uh my boo was from today. Uh, it was just <laughs> uh, Rudiger and uh, how he how he was caught on camera biting Paul Pogba from behind, like like a little Louis, Louis Suarez. Suarez. <laughs> Louis Suarez two Yeah, dude, dude has a black mask on. Looks like Batman at a masquerade and just munching on the back of Pogba. And Pogba, you could tell, was upset because he like had his arms wrapped around his chest, Pogba's chest, and then he like took one bite out of his back, like tried to like in between his shoulder blades really weird and everyone's like did he do that and like like it's all over the internet right now like he definitely bit him so or tried yeah. to yeah and yeah it was weird it was like a little love bite compared to luis suarez who just chomped at chiellini's shoulder <laughs> i mean he took like a shark bite out of it yeah rudiger just got up in there and took like a little nibble like he was pissed off he just wanted to like give him a. It was almost like he wanted to pinch him, but he was too lazy. He was like, "Well, my arms are already 
holding you. Yeah. So let me just let me just pinch you with my teeth instead. Yeah. The, it, was, it was a weird moment. The way the way he did that, I was not thinking aggressive like Luis Suarez. I was literally thinking he's just messing around with Paul Pogba, just biting biting a buddy. Like literally, that's yeah. what I was thinking. Like oh, I, like that's not unheard of to bite someone. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like he was just trying to just piss him off just a little bit. Not hurt him. Just in the I mean, nothing was gonna stop Paul Pogba, man. He was he's. He's, he's just he plays way better with a blue with blue on than when he has red on. Like it just makes sense. Like he's way better. He's way more comfortable playing for France than he is for any club team. Even when he was in Italy, like like he is a phenomenal French player. Yeah, yeah. They let Pogba be Pogba, and you hit the nail on the head earlier. When he's playing well, and I think I think he plays well when he plays happy, and I think he's happy. He's wearing the French jersey. Um, and you said earlier, uh, just when he's at his best, he can do things that no one else can do. And it, it's totally true. I mean, his control over the ball, his vision, his creativity. I mean, he it's its that simple. He can do stuff that other people can't. Uh, my boo is for English fans continuing to boo players as they kneel and express their freedom of speech and freedom of expression um yeah it's just i mean there's not that much more to say like it's just getting exhausting with the, the english fans are fighting this tooth and nail um and you, you hear i don't know i've heard different interviews of people going back and forth on this and there's just no logic behind it there's no intelligent argument against the players kneeling other than we don't like it and yeah it, it's just it's gotten old um and then my belter Jake from midfield, uh, and like I said, I did have Yarmolenko mentioned as well. That left foot was a, a beauty. So that's all I got for this week, Topes. You want to wrap it up with anything? Nope. Cheers. Cheers, everybody. Thanks for watching.